Welcome to the Story Tinker Podcast, a place for in-depth analysis of Webtoon stories. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character struggles, relationship development, and of course, theories. You can follow the Story Tinker on YouTube, podcast platforms, and social media. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support the Story Tinker on Patreon. We are really appreciative of your likes, subscribes, and follows on all platforms. Thank you for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of Midnight Populant on The Story Tinker. And today we have Debbie and Laura. Hello! Laura here. So this episode is a heavy episode. Um, so just keep that in mind. There's definitely going to be some emotional, emotionally, uh, upsetting events. So just so you know from the outset. So we start out with our creepy, 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 creepy Gil. And we saw last time he says, you know, he opened up the closet door and is talking to a dead body on the floor, which we presume to be his wife. And that's where we open up again. And he says, time to start packing up. And this body is just on the floor. It's, it's just awful. And then to make it even worse, he steps on a little toy and you don't see what it is. And he's like, huh, she dropped this during the scuffle. And then you see under his foot, which is utterly symbolic, a little stegosaurus speckled with blood. And he just says, I'll get rid of it together with everything else. He doesn't even think to ask, like, what is this? Why is there a Stegosaurus toy in my house with no children? Like, I just realized now, like, he's not even wondering why this is here. Yeah, that's a good point. He's just pointing out that he noticed she was holding it and then dropped it during the scuffle. Ugh, that's pretty gross. You're right. The symbolism, I didn't pick up on that at first, that he's stepping on it. He's crushing it. And then he kicks it in the next panel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then it's just lying there on the body and it is super poignant. And we're gonna get back to it in in a bit. So I guess we can discuss, you know, we'll discuss more when we get to that. But it's a horrifying opening. I mean, it just it it's getting heavy. Like this is, you know, we knew that this is a mafia uh, you know, story and that it was going to have some heavy themes, but this is just, and this is one of them. This is it. <laughs> so now we're back to Tora and Poppy, and we have Tora's point of view, his thoughts. And they're walking to get some coffee, and he's thinking, without raising suspicions from the clan or putting myself back on the radar or risking a betrayal from the inside, I'm restricted to keeping everything on the down low and only a handful of my own men. So I know. For a while, we were wondering, you know, was Tora like out of picture for a while or is it going to be in the future? And like now he's just, you know, this is like clarifying again that he's been off the radar for a while. In clan duties, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Taking that vacation. And he says, I'm in completely over my head. So he feels overwhelmed. And I know for me, like when I, when I, I read this a couple of times and as I was reading it again, I realized that, you know, I, I think of Torah and probably a lot of us think of Torah as very capable. Um, you know, we, we think that he's, he's smart and he's, you know, like intuitive and he picks things up really quickly. And I didn't think about it from his perspective that he feels overwhelmed and he feels inadequate and that's stressing him out. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just, I just popped over to the previous episode to see what Torah's thought process was, because it seemed like he kind of started in the middle of a thought. And so I was like, did he have something else he was going to say um, that was like continuing from the end of the last chapter? Um, and at the end of the last chapter, he and Poppy were holding hands and they were like embarrassed. <laughs> that they were showing more physical affection and that they were like 
um, you know, becoming more intimate with each other emotionally as well as physically. And so I think that's part of why he's feeling overwhelmed with um, Gil and stuff, because he's feeling a little overwhelmed of trying, I guess, is he's feeling a little overwhelmed with trying to explore this new territory for him. He's never had a relationship before. He doesn't know what it's like to be a boyfriend or to have a girlfriend. Because right. um, he's had he's had sex with people before, but he's never had a relationship with people before. So I wonder if that's part of why he's starting to feel completely over his head because he has like all these things at once that are happening. Mm -hmm. And he feels responsible for her safety and he feels like he's not assured of that. That's making him panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like he's not used to, to feeling overwhelmed. Like that's a foreign feeling for him. He's used to being, and he needs to be in absolute control. Um, you know, he talks about being a loner. Well, you get it, you know, not being, yeah, um, you want and then it's a little bit later, but I, I feel like that's just something he's so not comfortable with that not being over in, in over his head and not knowing what the next move is, not being able to plan his next move. It's, it's affecting him and it comes out in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm so but externally, he's still bantering with Papua. He's not showing that stress to her at this point. And she's like, oh, you like a black? <clears throat> really? You got a problem with that? No, sir. And continuing his thoughts, he's like, because as if I'm not a criminal mastermind like Goliath, <laughs> which is fun. It's funny to hear him being described like that. I'm excited to be this criminal mastermind. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I wonder, like, I wonder what his weakness is. I'm assuming it's his arrogance, but, you know, I'm excited to see his strengths, like presumably his intelligence. Um, and craftiness, but I'm also excited to see his weakness, and I'm I'm guessing it's something to do with arrogance. <laughs> Looking forward, and or some intellectual scholarly type like Xingma, <laughs> I have to say, I'm like really put this in as a, as a tribute to our dear Saucy, who is in love with Xingma and like writes him up to be like from this like two appearances in the comic, she's like Xingma is amazing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Confirming she's putting her stamp. Funny. Yeah. Well, I am all for. I'm looking forward. If we have more Shingma, I'm here for it. Same. <laughs> I'm here for all of it. I don't care what you give me, a Lily Desk. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hey, you remember the first text I sent you? And she's looking at the stairwell. And she, we have this uh, flashback of her, this poor little girl, when she was so embarrassed sending that text. And he's like, yeah, you were so polite and shit. Why? What about that? I am so polite and shoot. <laughs> so as I was prepping for this recording tonight, I was reading the other um, episodes. And in just, I think it's the previous chapter when uh, Poppy makes a fake swear. And then Tora is like, just say, just say the word. You're an adult. Just say the word. And then here exactly. she is. She's, she still can't do it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I sometimes feel uncomfortable like reading the curse words out loud. Like I'll usually won't say the F word, but like, you know, I try not to curse. No, here, okay, here's oddly enough. I curse when I'm alone. I don't curse in front of other people generally. Only my husband. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a, have a reputation to uphold, but like by myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't usually curse either, if I, unless I'm under like extreme duress. But I thought it was funny that Poppy, even though Tora is like giving her a hard time about her fake curse words, she still can't bring herself. <laughs> she still can't bring herself to use the words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love the way he calls her, and it's like you're an adult. Being an adult, that just it's it's funny. They're getting so much more comfortable with each other. It's mm -hmm. just funny. Yep. And she, you know, has this fond smile on her face. She's clearly recollecting it with nostalgia. And anyway, I was hiding in that corner after sending the text to you. That corner? Why? Were you up to some shady business? Haha, uh -huh, funny. Never mind. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We, we've seen a lot of panels of him staring at his phone being awkward. So I think he does understand <laughs> back in the early days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's so cute that Tora is, is laughing a little bit right there. That's <laughs> so cute. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's belying his inner thoughts, right? He's seriously worried on the inside and joking on the outside. And he continues thinking, yeah, I might have some street smarts and uncanny intuition, and I'm rarely wrong about people in situations, which I am so proud of Torah for being able to recognize his, his strengths. Because a lot of people, and especially someone who didn't grow up with affirmation and validation, a lot of people, and even people who did grow up with that, have a very hard time recognizing their own strengths and, and saying, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. So kudos to Torah. Everyone should be able to do that. You know, I think that, I think that humility is important, but not knowing what you're good at is false humility. And I think it's really important to know what you're, what you're, what you can contribute to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Debbie, that Torah like has to be in control all the time. And he has to have that control. And part of that is knowing what his limits are. So as he's thinking, he's like, well, I'm not really that good at planning things out, detective work. I'm not super intellectual, but he, he does know what his, what his strengths are because that's part of keeping control. Mm. I, I kind of get the feeling that these are the things that were kind of encouraged in him to stay in this certain lane, to know, to, to learn how to read people. Um, you know, his street smarts came with the, the territory, but you know, developing his intuition and all of that. I feel like he, just the way he described Shingma and, um, and Goliath, and it, it's almost like they all had a role to play. And this is his role to know the, to have these certain strengths. So I feel like that's almost like why he knows him, because maybe that's what he was praised on being able to uh read people and have and his intuition and so that's kind of why he knows that's what he's good at and, but and like he says he's always worked alone and never been involved in team operations so um i wouldn't be surprised if we find out that one thing vincent much as you know much as we hate him he might have some skill in helping tora hone what he's good at and being able to do that. I think, yeah, that makes sense. And I think you're right. Cause I think Vincent has some level of like emotional manipulation skills. Oh yeah. Um, I've seen him lose control and that's obviously not very emotionally manipulative. Like that was losing control. But I suspect that you're right. Most of the time he he's, seems clever enough to, to know how to push people's buttons and finesse them, you know? Like he's a mafia boss after all, like that's what, they're known for, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you notice now, like the world in the next panel, the world is darkening, you know, and he's, you know, he says, he's like you said, he's thinking dark thoughts of himself, but he's on the outside. He's just, what do you, you know, bantering? What do you mean? Never mind. Tell me. Meanwhile, he's scanning the environment and the world is kind of closing in around him. Like it's getting darker around the edges. And I'm trying to, let's see, the whole episode started out pretty somber. I'm going to go back to the next episode, last episode, because I remember that when they stepped out, it was like sunny and warm colored. And let's see. Yeah. Last episode, it's much more sunny. And the second we get into this episode, it's already much more somber and gray tone and cold. So, and yeah, it's reflecting Torah's reality where he is stressed out. And then in the... Well, he's standing around and he's still thinking. And when it comes down to it, I'm just muscle for hire, not some battle tactician. So um, he's like still having those thoughts. But then Poppy talks and his attention is drawn to her and then the background is white. So like, like the darkness goes away and he's just focusing on her for that, at least that one panel. Mm -hmm. she, says, I don't, she says, I don't want to, you know, this make me feel silly. Right, and, and he notices how cute she is. So yeah, like yeah. she's in his world. She's making that disappear just a, just a wee bit. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> he like he, he like has to restrain himself. He's holding his arm. He's like, "Rap, I want to hug her again." And he, instead of saying it, he's just like, "I'll tickle ya." <laughs> <laughs> Physical contact, but he can't bring himself to like actually hug her. No, oh, dude, just hug her. Okay. Oh. Bye what's wrong well nothing's gonna happen if you hug her it'll just be good <laughs> it's all good things and the background changes again right. no, so now it's, it's pink and cute, cute. <laughs> uh -huh. and it's like it's I, I guess it's a reflection of his change in mood he's a little bit more playful 
attention drawn to her. So cute. Yep. I love that panic look on his face. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. Like, you can try. And um, I'm going to, he says, tracking down Gil has been challenging to start with. And then we continue. He's like, you know, they're laughing. Huh? Promise it won't make you feel silly. I'm very sensitive, haven't you heard? <laughs> Which was Quincy's line. It was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, bah, ha, ha. I'm not sure I can trust Quincy's character assessment of you. Like, nah, you can trust it. You might know jack shit about that romance crap. He writes just as much as I do. Meaning he doesn't know romance. But he reads people better than he lets on. It's usually blind optimism that gets him into trouble. Oh boy, I relate to that so hard. I love that. I love, I love the fact that he recognizes Quincy as blind optimism, and I love the fact that Quincy has blind optimism. I'm very much like that, and I love Quincy to pieces. And when when Torres said that, I was like, oh, that's one of the reasons I like him. I love people who are just like, life is amazing and everything's great and everything's gonna be wonderful and I'm so excited to be alive. Like I love that so so much. So thanks, Tora, for voicing and articulating what I like about Quincy. <laughs> It's also really nice to see, like, kind of learn more about Quincy and to see him really, he really does appreciate him, to see Toro's appreciation, understanding, and it's almost like we're getting little bits, every episode, we get a little bits and pieces more of who they really are, and, you know, we're filling in those blank spots, and uh, it's nice to know that, you know, we're starting to learn more and more about Quincy and how sharp he really is, that he's not this kind of silly fluffy brainless kind of playboy that he came he came across most of the first season he's really sharp and he's got a good head on his shoulders mm -hmm. Very interesting. and it's also interesting to see that torah like as much as he sees each other in real life when he's away from him he'll he'll be honest about his his qualities right which is nice to see mm-hmm it's also interesting that um, uh, I think it highlights their role in the mafia, the way they interact with the world and the way they talk about each other. Um, so Tora is saying that Quincy's blind optimism is what gets him in trouble because Quincy is in a little bit of a more privileged situation. He can be optimistic and he maybe he's just fooling himself at this point. Maybe he's <laughs> trying to get out of the mafia. Maybe he thinks he doesn't, I don't know. We don't know, we don't know that much, but he doesn't have to see a lot of the um the seediness that goes on and Torah does a lot of the seediness that happens he's ordered to he's um so he doesn't really he doesn't have that optimism because his world is so much darker yeah yeah very true and probably also their their backgrounds like I know I had a very positive uh, upbringing. My husband had a pretty dark upbringing, and I have a very positive outlook. He has a more pessimistic outlook, and I think it's definitely because of our experiences when we were younger. So Quincy, you know, was privileged in many ways, and Tora right away was thrown into the the nasty part of life. Yeah, by the same person. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, treated them very differently. Yeah, they had a very different experience when it was the same person. Yeah. I often thought it was um, the dark light, the kind of yin-yang, the blonde and the, the brunette. I always thought that was very interesting, mm -hmm. the way they were. Very true. Even yeah. in their dress, right? Like, whereas casual, Quincy is flamboyant. <laughs> yeah. I love everything. I love them so much. <laughs> Manifest. <laughs> he lets anyway. his trauma fly. <laughs> And so now he's back to his thoughts about Gil and about tracking him. There's only so much ground the few of us can cover in a day. And Ronzo is highly skilled at manipulating the city's surveillance network, but there's only one of him. And his hacking ops are too high risk to carry out for extended periods of time. <laughs> now I'm thinking, I'm like, city's surveillance network. Dude, like, what kind of city, like, has, has this extensive surveillance network? Like, is this like an authoritarian state? <laughs> <laughs> never mind but <laughs> and now we see him hooded up in a dark bedroom and he says he's thinking sensors are all in place so we're flashing back i broke into gill's house a while back and found nothing 
Not surprising, but with so few leads, I have to try. And he's thinking to himself while he's there in his house, he must have the notebook on him. That would explain why he's been so careful to stay out of sight. So looks like the windows are open, looks like he climbed in there. And if he's gathering the footage that the notebook leads to, he'll have to stash his loot somewhere. And then he hears a voice. Little Mont one. <laughs> That's very sad. Okay. It's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, little one, it's mommy again. And he, you know, he's thrown off and he's like, there's a kid? Rondo never said anything about a kid. Why do they always come with a kid? He's like, ow, like, what have you done, Torah, before that involved a kid? Uh, like, I think we can all imagine that he maybe had to kill a parent. So, anyway. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't sound like he's had to kill a kid, though. Aye, aye. We don't know. Yeah. We're hoping not. Yeah. We're hoping not for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. But I yeah. also I feel like it does show, I mean, because Gil killed this lady, we're assuming. Um, we saw at the top of the episode, and he looked like so maniacal about it. He looked so like uh sociopathic about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Here's Tora. Um, he looks very guarded, like he's really on edge. And not to say that he would have killed her, but you know, he doesn't want he doesn't want to cause harm, but he doesn't have to. Is what my is my read into this? Yeah, yeah. He's, she's safer with the mafia hitman than she was with her husband who killed her. I mean, that that's irony, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and. It's Darla actually said something very interesting. She said maybe um, Tora held back on like pursuing guilt too much because of what he overheard. Maybe subconsciously, like he mm -hmm. felt like he was protecting, you know, the dad, uh, which is interesting. Whew. Or protecting the future kid. Maybe. Yeah, that's could be. You know, smart, Darla. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we see Tora's like leaning at the door and we see behind him is Gil's wife um, sitting on the couch and she's like holding something in her hand and she's saying, daddy's been expecting you for years. He'll be overjoyed to know you're here, but daddy is busy right now. So wait a little more to tell him, okay? So clearly she's pregnant and she hasn't told Gil yet at this point. And he's like, I don't need to hear this. I'm out of here. And he kind of stops because he hears her say, anyway, look what mama made for you. You can't see it now, but it's a little dinosaur. It's like, oh. And, you know, he stops <laughs> there. And, and then you zoom in on her and she's got this smile on her face, like this tender smile. And she's holding the Zegosaurus. She's like, do you like it? Oh, no. And the lighting <laughs> changes also. I mean, obviously, she's not going to sit in a dark room. Tora is in a dark room, but like it's so warm and inviting, and she looks so happy and hopeful. And yeah, I, yeah it's so sad. It, I mean, I, I don't mean to lie. It, it really is incredibly sad. And it's so simple, but it's so sad. It's just mm -hmm. and no, very well done. Yeah, and the, the way that the story is set up, the fact that we know before this whole thing happens that she's dead, that's what makes yeah. it poignant. Like if we would have read this scene and then she would die, it would have also been emotionally impactful, but it would have been in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like this is just reading it and you know she's dead and, and her guilt killed her. It's just, it just breaks your heart. Yeah, yeah. It's, it would have been more shocking the other way. This way, it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and he's, Torah is like, Causes. You have a focus on his eyes, right? The eyes, the windows of the soul. He's experiencing some emotions. And then we have a flashback and it's everything's white, everything's bright. And we have these little hands reaching for a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And someone is saying, it's called a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And it's someone whose hands are bigger than his. I don't know if they're adult hands. Um, I don't know. Who do you think those hands belong to? I'm very torn. I'm wondering if that's his hand and that's Goliath, his brother's little hand, and like he's showing him, this is my toy, because mm -hmm. that still looks like little young ch a child's hands. Both of them look like child's hands to me. Mm. 
So yeah. that was my first take on this. But then I said, well, you know, it could be an adult with small hands and that's his hands because he loves dinosaurs. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll get more about this at some point, but obviously that's a baby, the one on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Or a very, very young child. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Laura? Um, I hadn't considered that it was Torah Goliath. That would be um that'd be kind of sad in its own right. Because yeah. <laughs> I was I was hoping that this was Torah, the little baby, like toddler Torah, and like why he likes T-Rexes so much. It like started from this point. It could be it could be an adult with small hands. We know Poppy has small hands, like she's a small adult, so it could mm. be it could be it could be anybody <laughs> we don't know like is this his mom we don't know is this like the right. only memory he has of his mom is it someone from the orphanage we don't know is it someone from the clan we don't know yeah if it's his mom you know that brings the question like was she available was she loving and then did something happen to her because whoever this person is seems it seems like a positive very positive memory of the torah it's a smiling dinosaur everything's light and white um so it seems like this person was caring so you know did he have that and what happened that it got taken away what happened that it couldn't take care of him anymore also you so, don't know if the hand i'm sorry you don't know if the hands are reaching for it because it's being given to him or it's reaching for it because it's not being it's being taken away from him it's like heading towards him or being pulled away from him so it's so you really don't get everything out of this picture. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, to me, the fact that it's so brightly lit shows that, it, to me, I think it's a positive memory. So I don't know if it'll be But I mean, it's a, a fair point. Yeah, I mean, the hands also, the it looks a little bit like Taurus skin color. So the little hands. Yeah. yeah. With this cute little chubby, you know, like those pink dimples. Like <laughs> yeah, I guess it could be being someone taking it away, but I would guess that it's being given to him because it's like, oh, do you like this? It's called a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like here, here is this is what this is what this is. This is what it's called. That's mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I assumed it was being given to him, but mm-hmm. I'm just I'm staring at it, going, it looks like it could also be being pulled away. Okay. So I'm overthinking it, I guess. But okay yeah it's definitely an important memory if you, it it's from young from a young age and it must so it's either an early and only memory or an important memory or both and it it flashes to memory after he hears this soon-to-be mom talking to her unborn child right, right. Uh, so it's something that you know maybe it's some sort of maternal figure if it's not his mom if it's not Tori's mom maybe it's some sort of maternal figure that had a similar interaction with him when he was a little little kid yeah, yeah. that's a good point that's yeah. a good point and then it goes uh, back to gil's wife and she looks worried now and says please be okay gil and she's still holding the little stegosaurus oh my gosh and then she starts shaking please do the right thing your family needs you and she's starting to cry and it's even more heartbreaking because we know that kill gill kills her and she's like worried about it <laughs> and cares for him what was that she still thinks that he'll do the right thing yeah. like i don't know it feels like i feel like maybe gill hit his like sociopathic tendency for from her i don't know i mean was she aware that he could kill her like or did he not even exhibit any of those kinds of signs until the last moment because she doesn't seem to be frightened for for her life or for anything she didn't seem to be frightened of him before she was just upset at him so i don't know if he's just like snapped and he and he's been able to keep his like this you know I'm a normal person veneer and he's really just a sociopath down you know underneath that sociopaths do and and maybe oh sorry go on Debbie oh just gonna say she knows he he's capable of doing things not right not quite she's saying please do the right thing so and she's clearly upset about it so 
she knows he's capable of doing bad things. I guess she just didn't know how bad. Or she knew and wasn't afraid. She didn't think he'd hurt her. Yeah, I think she just, she's talking about just doing illegal, you know, financial stuff, right. which is different than being violent. Right. I don't, right. I don't think she, doesn't seem, at least with what we've seen so far, that she was fearful of him being violent. Yeah, especially since she was like yelling at him and the last time we saw them interacting together. Mm. Um, if she was afraid for her life, she probably wouldn't try to um, antagonize him. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, like what you were saying, Mindy, I don't know, maybe he has never exhibited sociopathic tendencies before ever. Like maybe he's just to the point now where he's so stressed out about everything that's going on that he just snapped. <laughs> so maybe even to him, this is the prize, but we, we don't know. We don't know. But he looks so creepy in the beginning of this chapter. He looks so creepy. It, like, it, no reports at all. Yeah, no reports. That's what's so creepy. Like, oh, you stink. Like, she's like, oh, she's doing it. She's rotting to offend him or something. Like, his whole demeanor is so creepy, so scary. No remorse, no sadness. Not even, like we were talking about before, doesn't even question why there's a toy on the floor and would horribly has blood on it, just, oh, and we thought jewelry was bad. He makes him look like, you know, a nice guy. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, and at this point, you know, Tora is, Tora's out. He, you know, he's furrowing his eyebrows and he, he jumps out the window. I think that he can't handle it. I think that whatever she's saying is triggering to him. And I'm assuming we're gonna find out more as the story goes on. Yeah, especially since he leaves, he is starting to get more upset when he hears her say, your family needs you. And then when she says, your baby needs you, he's like, I'm going, I'm, I, I can't handle this. I'm out. Yeah. Mm. I'm gone. Whew. All right. And, you know, it seems like he's just thought of all that. And now, you know, he's back in the present and you see he has this really intense look on his face. You know, the background is, dark it's it's you know shape you know going from black to brown and yeah and probably looks up at him with a worried face because she can sense that that he's his mood has shifted yeah and this this flashback that he's thinking about right now all happened while they were talking about Quincy's blind optimism and I think mm. it just further underlines highlights bolds the fact that Quincy can be optimistic um he can he he has that, whether, I don't know, maybe he can or can't. He chooses to be optimistic while Tora has this reality to deal with. And it's like, he, he can't bring himself to be optimistic about stuff. Mm -hmm. In the background where he is, it's just Tora and we see the top of Poppy's head and it's black fading down to brown. It's like where his thoughts are, the top of his head there is super dark, right? And then as it gets closer to Poppy, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And then when yeah. Poppy's looking up at him, the background is white. You know, she's, again, it's just further emphasizing that she is the light in his life and mm -hmm. worry for him, sweet girl. That's so smart. Yeah, and that's when she looked up at home also, that's her perspective and that's like her, you know, what she's experiencing and she, she's still in a happy state. You know, they just made out in the closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, and so they were, they arrived at the coffee shop and I... <laughs> I have to note, I really like the, the character design of the, the young lady over there. Cute bangs and hairstyle and makeup and yeah, just random lady, but I like her. I think she looks trendy and cute. <laughs> Maybe Poppy's mom, as we know, but <laughs> and she's like, speaking of Quincy, will you be driving him to his appointment later? Yeah, well, we're leaving soon. And I thought, oh, shoot, I'll make it quick. And we again have Taurus perspective, right? It's from his height, right? The camera goes up, so he's thinking. Um, Ronzo hacked into the cams around this area, including those in this cafe. We have a view of it. Nothing suspicious, but I saw Quincy here with Erdine and Jacob, and he's looking up at it. Probably spilled shit to them from the looks on their faces, <laughs> but they're not a threat and they're reliable enough, so might as well rope them in. Gil's a crafty bastard, and he, we only picked up his trail when he finally returned home. And here we have a flashback, you on the phone, laptop, big bro, I think we got our man. That was when I sent Quincy down to the office. So we can step up the pressure and force him to make his next move. And we have an aerial view, you know, suspenseful lighting, 
you know, Quincy and Gill, the standoff. <laughs> because F knows when I'll have my hands tied up with the Clan Affairs again, and she'll need her own network of support when shit hits the fan, which is very kind of Torah and insightful. Yeah. And yes, and thoughtful mm-hmm. and planful and just amazing that he's even thinking about that at all with all of this other stuff going. He's planning for, for Poppy's emotional and physical safety still. I mean, it's still always, I just think that's amazing. I think it also shows, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mindy. Go ahead. Oh, I think it also shows like, I mean, this is a fairly quick interaction between him and Poppy. Walking to the cafe does not take that long. It's right next to where she works. And he's having all of these thoughts and all of these flashbacks and all of these things in a very short amount of time. (laughs) And so he's like on high alert mode, even before they get into the cafe, like he may not show it in his facial expressions or the way he's talking with Poppy. Um, But I can feel the panic in him growing as I read through it because he's like, thinking about guilt, thinking about Gil's wife, thinking about his trauma as a child. He's thinking about Poppy's safety. He's thinking about how he had you hack into the, the, the camps. He's thinking about Quincy. He's thinking about, <laughs> he's thinking about all these different things. He's thinking about, oh, I'm gonna have to be tied up with clan affairs again in the future. So like thinking about all these things and he's super preoccupied with like everything that's going on in his head. You can feel the anxiety and the racing thoughts. She's talking coffee and he's like at like the weight of the world on his shoulders going through all this stuff in his head. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's all crucial in understanding what what happens. And I didn't I didn't quite pick up on it the first time I read it. You know, it takes a it takes a bit of thinking in to understand what why he does what he does. And yeah, like you said, she's like, I'll have an avocado latte, please. Which what do you guys think of? How, how do you think that would taste? I don't drink I don't drink coffee, um, but that sounds disgusting. <laughs> Yes, avocado, good. Coffee, good. Avocado together with coffee. Uh, no. <laughs> I have to admit, I read that three times. And I'm like, no, that does say avocado. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she has a thing for avocados. You know? Yeah, she does. Okay. And, you know, his phone is buzzing. And it's a text from Pinky, effing Pinky. Gaslight at the conference. Chaos everywhere. We lost him. Call us. And boom, his world goes dark. And now his thoughts suddenly go from, instead of being displayed in our regular text bubble or squares, everything is black. It's the, the, the aggressive handwriting of like, it's like the murder handwriting that the, the title is written in. And he is like not doing well. He's thinking to himself, after all the work your men had done for you, you still let him get away, huh? And he's blaming himself. He, he didn't let Gil get away. Gil got himself away. Gil planted some gasping or whatever presumably but like self-blame taking it all on his his shoulders what were you doing other than being a pathetic lovesick schoolboy ouch ow, don't talk to yourself that way <laughs> you know he's he's blaming himself for this and focus in tension in his face darkness closing in on him and he's thinking back to her and the little stegosaurus toy and his tyrannus rex toy you could have put an end to this much earlier, you stupid mutt. And I don't know what he thought. What do you think he thought he could have done, right? <laughs> stupid <Exactly>. mutt. Right? <laughs> God, <laughs> so sad. Mm-hmm. So, to me, yes. to me this, is, this is Vincent in his head. This is Vincent. This is his trauma thinking. This is not even his own thinking. He is just hearing everything that's been beaten into him through Vincent. And it's just, it's so clearly, obviously it's meant to be dark. It's just, it's the darkest he can go. It's black and white and he's calling himself a stupid mutt. I mean, that's Vincent right there. Yeah. What is yeah. he, you could have put an end to this much earlier. What does he mean? Like, Whoa. Um, I, my guess is that he like instead of getting involved in Poppy's life um, just like taking the notebook from her some, or like taking her bag when they first met at the train station and getting the notebook from her bag from there or maybe not causing Poppy physical harm but having as little interaction with her as possible so that he could get this taken care of 
Interesting. I thought he was referring to Gil, and I was wondering what he thought he could have done with Gil. But yeah, that's it. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what I think too. That he, um, if he treated her like he would have treated anybody else, if it was just a guy, he would have just taken the bag and walked away and never thought twice about it. But he got distracted. He was attracted to her, and he got distracted, and he's berating himself because he doesn't think he deserves it and he shouldn't have done that and now he's taking it out on puppy but uh, i know same thing i'm like oh i know so, yeah, so we have an image of him and puppies of black coffee for him to go please and you know everything's dark for him and she's looking up at him but he's kind of like in a daze she's like tora would you like and he can't even process it. He he thinks to himself, in the corner of my mind, I heard her. I hear her voice as she placed our order. The sound of a little piece of heaven that had tumbled off his room into my life. And he thinks to himself, well, it's not too late, which is to put an end to it. And Poppy's just fading even more. Like she's just really going out of his consciousness. Tora, but as the darkness closed in on me, everything faded to black, including her. And he hears, you can still put an end to this the best way you know, son. Mm. Ugh. <laughs> I love that reaction. Gross. <laughs> Vincent is so gross. Ew. And Absolutely. son is emphasized, you know? Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Son, I hate the way that he thinks son. That's just that word. He just completely destroyed it mm -hmm. yeah before before we move on just to back backtrack a little bit to point out some of the visual aspects of um what we've been reading through um okay so back way back up to where you the flashback with you big bro i think we got our man the background is black kind of indicating like shady business what they're doing is yeah not on the up and up um, and when, when Tora gets the text, like you already mentioned this, maybe things start to fade to black. It gets darker. Poppy's face even fades out. Like he's not focused on Poppy really at all. He's like really sucked into his trauma here into like fight or flight mode, panic mode. Um, and then that's when Vincent's, uh, words in his head come out, but this all happens so quickly. Um, I think Lily Desk does a really good idea of showing us like how fast someone can go from meh, more or less okay to like um, the frontal cortex shuts off, you know, <laughs> and they're just in survival mode. They're just in it. They're triggered. They're, they're panicking. It's awful because in the time between Poppy saying, I'll have an avocado latte and a black coffee, please to go. Like that doesn't take that long to happen. Um, to, for someone to say that. And in that time, in between her saying, I'll have an av avocado latte, please. He reads the text. And then Poppy says, what does she say? And a black coffee to go. And in that time, Tora is like, whoosh, you know, time stands still for him a little bit and things. Yeah, it, I, he can't see clearly anymore. All he's seeing is black and gray and green and he, he's just focused on what's going on with him internally he can't even focus on poppy anymore one of the things I, I was curious about this because you're right he's like completely shut down it's just almost like a fugue state he's just he became like a different person in that instant just the anxiety or, or the that work mode i didn't even mm -hmm. know what you would call it for him um it kind of took over Mm -hmm. And again, it's Vince in his head. You can still put an end to this in the best way you know how, son. And that's really, uh, to me, that's um, so much as trauma speaking is just taking over. His, like you said, frontal cortex is just shut down and he's right there and being on the job. Sorry, what was the last thing you said? I was just saying something he's never been with Poppy. He's always been himself with Poppy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so how jarring it must be for her because they're bantering, they're just walking, they, they just made out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'll pick, you up. I'll pick you up at six tonight. Huh? She's like, what? Um, he's completely forgotten about the coffee. And she said, oh, really? Thanks. But 
I'll be working late today. So six might be two. And you said, I'm not asking you. And everything is like this weird green tone in these panels. And it's like dark and grimy. And he said, I'm telling you, not even looking at her. And then he puts some money on the counter for the coffee. Don't be late. Thump. So it's like a really kind of aggressive move if it makes that big of a sound. And then yeah. walks away. Right. And then leaves the cafe without his coffee. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Whoa. He yeah. stopped seeing her as a person in that moment. That's the way he treats people. That mm -hmm. that's his work mode. He can't see people as people. And that's why he treated Poppy. Whoa. So the the discussion on Lily's Patreon was like amazing. I actually I read all the comments and I was very impressed with, with people's insight and sharing their life experience. And some some people who who had had their parents be uh the, who were military said that they they experienced this kind of whiplash as well because of their parents' PTSD and like how quickly they would go from normal to triggered and boom, like they they would completely change. And yeah, that's that's what's happening here. So there was a lot of discussion about, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe let's let's finish the episode and then we'll 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 do the that discussion. So yeah, he walks out and you know, now we go to Poppy's perspective and the colors return. And you know, the coffee person here, two cups to go. And she's like, oh, oh, thanks, right? As much as whatever happened, she's still a polite person and she is strong and she keeps it together. But oh, thanks. And they're like, um, and then the guy whispers, are you two okay? That was kind of harsh, which credit to him. You know, it's it's great when people see something happening in front of them that isn't okay and want to help. I think that's wonderful and more people should be doing that. We should all do that. And she just nods and she's like, you can keep the change. She fumbles with the coffee. He's like, sure, see you soon. Right, she's, she's obviously like getting very emotionally overwhelmed and she doesn't want to like spend a moment longer there that she has to, she just has to leave. And they're like, careful, it's hot. Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, right? You know, she's fumbling around. She's not thinking right. She's obviously not handling it correctly. And she just wants to go. And she leaves. She's already biting her lip. And the, the people are like, poor thing. Damn, that was rough to watch. That chick must have nerves of steel or something. I burst into tears of that scary looking mofo who snapped at me like that. No shit. And he looked like he was about to go shoot someone. <laughs> and we see her walking out. She sits down on that little bench where she sat before with Ardine and the coffee's on her lap and her hands are shaking and the tears are falling and she is crying. And we end with Tora speeding along on the road with a very, very grim and dead look on his face because he is in work mode and yeah. he's that. So what do you think of, a lot of people were having a discussion about how he treated her and what is an appropriate reaction maybe for Poppy. How would you react if someone did this to you like in real life or if someone made your friend said, oh, the guy I'm dating did this. So yeah, let's share your thoughts. Well, um... Uh, I, uh, I don't think that Toro was like abusive. Um, he was not nice, certainly. Um, and that was rude to snap at her like that and leave and like, um, it, it's not how you want to treat someone that you're interested in or that you have feelings for. It's not how you want to treat anybody. Um, but I don't think he was like to the point where it was like as if he had hit her or something. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't want to compare trauma. <laughs> That's not cool. But um, I don't want to excuse his behavior either. It's it's not okay. Um, but I think considering what he's been through, he handled himself the best way he knew how. And when he shut down like that, um, he, he left as soon as possible instead of trying to, um, uh, instead of trying to not be in that place and pretend like everything was okay. 
because I think I could have been worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, removing yourself from a situation where you know you're you're gonna snap can be the best thing. Mm -hmm. Point. I think there's there's a few things. A few people commented. I was reading the comments on um, on webtoons, and some people commented, "Well, what do you expect? He's in the mafia. This is the way he's going to act." Because it, it was offensive the way he acted, and to me, what was worse was that he worked so hard to get her to open up and to kind of meet with him, be in that place where he, she's sharing her feelings. She called him, he called her um, um, commitment phobe. And he just, he uh, tried so hard to pull her out. And so she was finally opening up and trusting him and saying, okay, you know what, fine. You're, you're going to give me everything I need, all the validation I need so I can open up to you emotionally. And then he does that and he turns around and he treats her like that and just spun her on her head. And she just right back to where she started. She can't trust her own instincts anymore. She tried to trust this guy. And then he just, he just threw her away like that. And not that he intended to do it. He wasn't intentionally being abusive. He was stuck in his own head. He was feeling his, his overwhelmed with guilt and responsibility and his own feelings and his own darkness and he didn't do it intentionally but he still did it and he put her in a position where she had no idea has no idea what's going on and in a way he um he is responsible because he did know he shouldn't he's not in a place where he's ready to be with somebody like that and he you know, if he knew he was capable of just shutting down like that and hurting her like that, it, I don't think that he was being fair to her by pulling her in and trying to build that relationship. And then just to turn around and, and validate her and show her all this wonderful, this can be so wonderful and, and, I, and I'm going to be this great guy to you, but then I could easily just turn around and be this absolute asshole to you. And unexpectedly and I, I think that's what hurts her the most because she was finally opening and finally learning to trust and then this happened so personally I'm angry at him so if it was my friend I would be like yeah you need to have a real good talk to him I wouldn't say necessarily dump him but we definitely need a conversation yeah yeah that was really well said um <laughs> and it makes me so sad for for not for, for Poppy um because she like immediately stopped making eye contact with everyone around her and really tried to keep her composure um which um someone I forget who there's a couple people on Patreon that made the connection that um she's probably feeling triggered herself right now and how jewelry used to treat her um and like even maybe back to like abandonment issues with her mom too um, yeah. and she had to like learn how to keep herself composed enough to where she could find some, some private place to kind of let it all out. And so she walked out of the coffee shop and was like, yep, fine. Okay. Yep. I got the coffee. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. And then you see on the corner, she's super alone. That wide shot mm -hmm. all by herself. There's literally no one else out, out. It's just her. And she goes and finds that little spot and that's where she feels safe enough. She can't even go back up to the office yet. She has to go cry first. Yeah. She doesn't feel like she can cry in the office. She has to do it by herself outside. And mm. it's so sad. She's sitting there with those two coffees mm -hmm. and just, yeah. you could feel she's just, she doesn't even know what to think, what, what to feel like, what, what just happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Debbie, what you were saying before, how, you know, I love that you said that Tora had gotten into a relationship with her because we all knew that something like this was going to happen. Yeah. Tora said all the time, I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm not for it. I don't have the life suited up for it. She can't be with me. And that, that's the main, you know, dilemma of this story is that how can you be with someone who has such a life? It's, it's not you know some people were actually sharing their stories of people who had done they'd been with someone who also was in the mafia and it was like yeah it's not really tenable like and that's the that's the whole dilemma like he has to get out they can't have a relationship when he's doing these things and yeah and 
The other thing that I really think is amazing about this whole story is that it shows you what it's like to be in a relationship with people who have difficult backgrounds. And so many of us either come from those backgrounds or are in relationships with people with those backgrounds and it is not easy. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes society throws these people away and says they're beyond hope and beyond redemption and they're broken. And this whole story, I believe is about showing, no, they're, they're fixable and they're redeemable. And with enough self-love <laughs> and self-determination, they can fix themselves. Maybe yes, with help and encouragement and love of people around them, but that people who are broken can still be good and can still have redeemable qualities about them and can still overcome the difficulties that they're from. And I think that is such a powerful message and incredibly, incredibly like necessary for people to read and just pivotal in life. I, I think it's wonderful. You know, we, we read webtoons for entertainment. Um, but this story just surpasses the entertainment level. I think the story is just so pivotal. Um, I, I'm just so impressed. I, I really am. It, it, it is. Um, absolutely, I agree. I think it, it surpasses the medium. It's. Um, I mean, the artwork is beautiful. The story is incredible. So I shouldn't say it surpasses the medium. It, you wouldn't expect a webtoon to be so elevated, but it really is. It's a very, very well done story. And that's what I love about it too. I agree with you. I think it's not, it's not just a cartoon. It's, it's, or a comic, I shouldn't say cartoon, comic. It is something, it's literature. It's modern literature, absolutely. So. Yeah, and it really, there's so much to think about. There's so much to chew on. Something that you said, Debbie, um, that, Torah should not have tried to get into a relationship with her if he knew he acted this way. I don't know that he's aware, honestly. Yeah. He, I don't know that he's ever had this sort of relationship with anyone before. So I don't know if he's aware that this is how he, he reacts with people. Because a lot of other people, he can, um, like with Quincy, he, he can shut down like that and it's it won't bother Quincy necessarily that much. It's like kind of something to be expected um, or like Quincy would understand and, and would know like what's going on behind the scenes or what's going on in his head a little bit. Um, and then the, like his, his men, his little bros, like they would probably see this sort of switch before and they would probably kind of understand it as well. So I don't, I don't know that Tora is aware that of what he's doing with to Poppy or how, how his, um, how his actions are affecting her. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think he um, is not stable. He knows he's not stable enough. He knows that he can become this. Um, he knows it's not okay to say to her. On some level, he knows it's not okay to say to her. Not okay to say to her. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. That's not the relationship that they have. He's not in a position above her. That's not what their their relationship is like. Yet he's he can't not help that because he's so guilt ridden and he's so angry at himself for this situation going on. That in a way, and again, un, um, not in a purposeful way, but because of his own issues, he's dragging her with him. Mm -hmm. And he's um, as much as he cares about her and wants to be with her and probably does love her at this point but he's just not there where he could, he, he's not able to communicate. This might happen. If this happens, then it's not you, it's me, but he can't even communicate that. So she's probably in a place where she's feeling gaslighted again. There's this guy mm -hmm. saying one thing and then doing another thing. So she's so barely into um, developing her self-esteem again. He just pushed her way back. And, you know, I'm right I'm, after her. Right, yeah, like immediately, immediately. And she's just, I, I'm just, I'm hoping that there's some really good conversations coming up in future episodes. I'm sure there will be because um, yeah. I don't think Lily Disc would do that to us, but <laughs> I, I definitely, yeah. 
I just don't know how long it's going to be. And I, and I'm scared to death to see what's going to happen with Gil. Like, what is his issue with Poppy? And is Tora going to be around to even recognize it? Well, no, I don't think he would ever not leave her in danger, but. Well, he is leaving her when he knows, like, Gil just escaped. And he's like, uh, I think he's probably going to go try to find him now. But, like, he's also leaving Poppy alone. Like, is he going right. to send her to watch her? Right. I don't know. But one thing I will say is, like, why didn't he say anything to her in those last couple of days? You know, he, he was planning on coming clean to her, as he told Quincy, but he didn't say anything to her yet. He didn't tell her anything about Gil. They both, everyone thought her life was in danger. They didn't tell her, which, if my life is in danger, people, please tell me. Like, do not be like, oh, she has a lot on her plate right now. Like, I don't want to worry her. No, I want to know. Like, <laughs> that's something pretty serious to tell people. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> And like he didn't tell her about the mafia thing, even though he decided that he would. And I understand he probably didn't want to tell her because he didn't want to ruin what they had. He didn't want to bring it up. It's a tough conversation. He didn't see her. Blah blah blah. He probably only feels comfortable like when he talks to her in person. But like that's contributing to what happened. Like if she would have known that he's on the hunt for Gil and Gil's loose, like she probably would have been able to make that connection and be like, oh, did something just happen? You get a text about Gil that you know that one made you snap. But he didn't communicate that with her, so he, he doesn't know. I mean, he, probably, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. No, go ahead, Laura. Yeah. I was just saying that probably also would have helped build her confidence even more if Tora was also suspicious of Gil. Like she's picking up on these sus vibes about Gil, um, but she hasn't told anyone because she's like, I don't, I don't have any proof, but I'm feeling really weird around him. He is giving me weird vibes. Um, so if Tora had communicated that with her, one, it would have made her. Um, you know, probably put her in a safer position. And two, would have validated the things that she's already thinking. Uh, and three, probably would have brought them closer a little bit because it would have led into that conversation, that tough conversation that Tori's putting off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and that being said, I also wanted to say like, yes, we're pointing out all these things that they should have done. And like, I don't know about you, but I see myself in, it, not necessarily these particular kinds of mistakes, but like relationship mistakes. Like we all do things that we know either before or after that like was a really stupid idea and bad, but like, it's tough. It's very, very hard. You can't do everything right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter how much you try. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even while we're saying shoulda, coulda, woulda, like we understand everyone's human. <laughs> Right, because we have more information and we're objective and we're not in the moment flustered. <laughs> right, and we're at this omniscient viewpoint where we can see both sides and we know what everybody's thinking. It's mm -hmm. like, we don't know, Tora doesn't know what Poppy's thinking and vice versa, and mm -hmm. even though we know what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of listening to hours of this podcast, that psychoanalyzes every move that they make. If they would listen to this podcast, they would know themselves a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> everybody should have their own podcast <laughs> that would be horrifying <laughs> absolutely you have people devoted to scrutinizing everything you do and say and think <laughs> oh, oh, oh i would be mortified <laughs> oh no um i think the last thing i want to point out is that poppy um going back to like what her where she's feeling probably very traumatized right now because they had just been made, making out and that was like a point of contention between her and jewelry was how far to take your physical intimacy mm -hmm. um and Tora kind of pushed that boundary with her a little bit by asking to see more of her to like remove some of her clothing which she did until she was uncomfortable and then she covered back up again but then they went to the cafe and then he left <laughs> and so she's like is that all he wanted <laughs> was everything Aww. fake you know what did it all just lead to like he just wants the physical stuff he doesn't care about anything else that would be going through my mind I would be very confused I would be very upset if I was in poppy shoes absolutely I mean the way he acted towards jewelry and, and moonbright and the way he was just so protective and affectionate towards her and then to just, and she, and she had no idea for her. It was, uh, they went from coffee to, I'm just picking you up at six and he's walking out. She had no idea what was going on in his head. None of that was there for her. So for her, it was just literally a switch was flipped and he's gone. And so she has, she's left to figure out 
what the hell happened? Was the black coffee? Did he not like? Did they should not have? Not made a He's not a fan of unusual drinks. Yeah, that might have been it, Ashley. <laughs> well, talking about not having that omniscient viewpoint for her, she had no idea. He was fine, and then he wasn't, and it was literally that's it. That just good and then bad. Mm-hmm. He needs to talk to her. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how this resolves itself or doesn't resolve itself and heightens the drama until we get to some kind of like confrontation resolution. Right. But yeah, it'll be it'll be juicy. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming and for sharing your insights. This was great and fantastic. And I'm kind of too tired to do bonus questions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you look so, like. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so much this was great thank uh, you really really good episode very very insightful yeah i yes, feel lucky you. that we, i was just gonna say i'm like i feel lucky that we got this episode because it was such an intense one that was really flat to pull apart mm-hmm. definitely yes yeah well thank you so much have thank a great you. night everyone good night good night Thank you so much to my current patrons Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Jenny, Haley, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe, Rochelle, Saucy Tacos, Meg, Ann Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Laura, Joanne, Patty, Jen, Imelda, Esther. I'm watching you towards Poppy Seed Marie, Jen, Emily, Jean, Jen, Erin, D, and Kay. Your support is truly appreciated. <laughs>